Well, tonight we're wrapping up our Wednesday night series on angels. We've been on a spiritual journey. It really is a spiritual journey because there are spiritual forces all around us. And we, we, uh, the scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And uh, as we mentioned, that there are likely angels sitting in seats right next to you. You know, sometimes we may worry about attendance. You know, there's been Wednesday nights when it's packed and you can see every seat just about filled. And then nights like this where there might be a lot of seats empty. But uh, if scripture, if we're believing what scripture says about angels, uh, does it directly say they come and sit in the pews in church? But no, but they are all around us. We know that. And uh, it does not say that they are all around us except for when we go to worship. I would think this would be the time especially. But the spirit world is very, very real. It's a very, very real world. And, and here's the thing. You've got people who are, are worshiping uh, evil spirits that will tell you and, and testify the fact that there is a spiritual realm. And, and sometimes they truly are interacting with demons and, and seeing manifestations. So, uh, you know, as, as it goes, the agnostics and the um, atheists will, will try to deny that there's any spiritual realm. And they focus in on Christianity. But they don't talk to the Satan worshipers very much, do they? They don't talk to the, 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 those that have had demonic manifestations. They focus in because their problem is not with the spiritual realm. Their problem is they don't want to serve God. They don't want to believe in God and what he represents. But the spiritual realities are actually greater realities than the natural ones. In fact, just because you can't see things with your eyes doesn't mean that they aren't real. We walk by faith, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, and not by sight. So we're, we're walking by what we, can, uh, what we cannot see. We should walk by what we can't see, not just by what we can see. And God has told us that we, uh, that we are believing, um, that when we believe this, that, that uh, we see the manifestations of it in our lives. So tonight I want us to basically take a recap, if you will, of all the previous uh, messages on angels some of you may not have been here for the whole thing or some of it may have moved fast enough you missed some things so uh, i hope to present it in a way where if you've been here for all of them you're not going to be bored or fall asleep on me but but you'll maybe pick up on some things you might have missed but again there's a spiritual world all around us in which god is at work and so is the enemy satan is at work as well and following them is a host of spirit beings. We focused on the last few weeks, angels, but also demons. And whenever we think we're alone, let me just tell you, you're not. We think about Jesus always being with us, but we don't think about the other spiritual beings all around us all the time. That you're never alone as a child of God. That God is only watching. That God is not only over, only watching over you, but God has sent angels to do a lot of things in your life for you and on behalf of him for you. So we ask, who are angels? Angels are created beings. They are created by God to serve him, and they are not children who passed away and then became angels. And you hear that at times. We've covered that, but, uh, but especially at the passing of a, of a baby. That's, uh, and that's not the time to correct someone uh, on that uh, theology, but it, it's incorrect biblically to think that uh, babies turn into angels when they pass away. And while I, I understand that sentimentality, it's just not biblically, biblically correct. And in Psalms 148, they are created by God. And in verse 2 it says, Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all the armies of heaven. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you twinkling stars. In other words, here are listed among the created things, all the created things, the created beings, along with all creation, the angels praise God. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. I feel like stopping here for just a minute, and this isn't in my notes, I just feel like stopping for a moment because it really started to hit me the more I got into this about whether I'm really walking my life with the Lord as, I, as if I believe this with all my heart. Because some of us don't realize that as we're leaving here tonight, there may be an angel right alongside us. 
We'll get into that a little bit more about guardian angel, but an angel right alongside us. So Colossians 1.16, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. And I'm going to suggest to you that he probably created more things that we can't see than um, we can see. Such as, and it goes on in that same uh, passage, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Think about that. Such as thrones, plural, kingdoms, plural, rulers, plural, and authorities in, uns- in an unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. This also includes the ranks of angels. They're God's invisible army. That was one of the last things we covered in this series about the angel armies, about them as warriors. Everything was created through him and for him. You say, well, then when did God create the angels? Well, we know this. It was before the creation of the world. And that's all we know about when they're created. In Job chapter 38 and verse 4, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? As the morning stars sang together, all and all the angels shouted for joy. Many theologians believe that when it's mentioning morning stars, it's mentioning a certain host of the angels. In fact, um, they will say that angels, some of them even say that angels sang before the fall of man. So once Adam and Eve sinned and sent into the world, that the angels stopped singing. And that they will not sing again until man is redeemed and before the throne of God. Now, I don't, I don't know, some, some differ on that, but that's a pretty amazing thing to think about. If the angels sang for all since they were created up until the time man fell, and then they will no longer sing until man is redeemed before the throne. Apparently, they're all created at once. Angels don't marry. Angels don't have babies. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 30, For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. For in this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. So it's saying that our, our glorified uh, realm, when we are taken to heaven, remember it says that we, we won't have wives, husbands anymore, that children, we no more male or female. It'll just be... God's children. And so this is what the angels are like. They aren't marrying. They aren't having children. We say, how many angels are there? Well, in Revelations chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, Then I, then I looked again, and I heard the voices of... And now, now this is talking about around the throne of God, but not saying that this is all of them here. This is just a reference to how many is around the throne of God. But it says, thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. So you're talking a hundred million angels plus thousands upon thousands. And in fact, there may be billions of angels. We, we don't know for sure, but uh, the numbers seem to indicate it could be billions. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 22, it reads, No, you have, no, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. So you're talking about numberless. When, when the writer of Hebrews is talking about angels gathered around the throne, it's numberless. It, it doesn't give us specific numbers, and that I think most theologians believe the reason is is because there's no way to measure it. That in any account, uh, we're talking about so great a number that, that uh, the actual number is not given. G, uh, God, in, in most of Scripture, if there is a specific numbered amount, that numbered amount is given. You know, it mentions hundred. 44,000 revelations, and we think that those are uh, the marred saints that, you know, you go through many numbers, the 12 tribes, and any other specific thing, there's a specific number attached, but the angels, uh, it just mentions in plural, thousands and, and millions. You say, what are angels like? Well, first of all, angels are persons. Now remember, I said they're not people, but they're persons. They have personality. They're not supernatural robots. They have attributes of personality. They have all the the emotions uh, that we may have. They have intellect. They have will. 
The reason we don't have the will, and in fact, in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12, it tells us that Lucifer was Satan's name before he fell, but Lucifer, when he was an angel, that, um, that in Matthew 28, verse 5, the angel said to the woman, I know you're looking for Jesus, so they have, um, so they have knowledge. I'm sorry, let me, I, I kind of squeezed together two, two uh, facts there. Let me back up. In Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12, when it's talking about Lucifer, um, it says he was full of wisdom. So, so when you, you go through thinking about the characteristics that God has built in man and that God has himself, his attributes, um, the fact that angels have will, we know that they can decide to defy God, that they can decide to rebel. And then we also have the fact um, that it says he is full of wisdom without intellect. Uh, Matthew 28 and verse 5, the angel said to a woman, I know you're looking for Jesus. So they, have, they can have knowledge of things. And in Revelation 17 and verse 1, the angel says to John, come and I'll show you judgment that is going to come. So they know things. They know about God. They know about God's plan and are intelligent creatures. Here in a minute, we'll also talk about in a few aspects that it's not that they know the future. They only can repeat what they have been told. They can't tell the future. They only know what they've been told. So it doesn't mean that they know everything. They can't see a future. Time is something that only relates to created things. So God is the only one, God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit um, residing in the Trinity that has no beginning and no end. Time does not affect them. But anything else in all creation, including the angels in heaven, time is, they are affected by time. They were created at some point. They did have a beginning. So since time impacts them, they only know what they know from the time of their creation until now. And we talked about how cool that was that they were there when, when Lucifer rebelled and the ones that remained were the ones that fought against him and his angels that became demons. That's something to think about. That they, the ones that remained... The angel that walks with you, very, very much so, raised the heavenly sword or whatever they did to fight and fought against the demons at the very beginning of that fall, at the very rebellion. Uh, my family and I got a chance to go. There was a uh, um, private viewing. Uh, my sister's orthodontist rents out the whole Pinnacle Mall Theater uh, once a year, and we got to go to a, pr a private viewing, and she invited us, and and uh, so we went and we saw um, the new Star Wars movie. And uh, my wife always says, don't, don't talk about movies because you may forget some part that you don't want people to know that you saw. <laughs> but, but, you know, in all intents and purposes, Star Wars. It's just the same story over and over and over. Um, but this big rebellion, that's the whole story, right? The rebellion. It's, it's the, uh, the bad guys, but the rebellion's actually good guys in that situation. But it's a big, all-out war that goes on and on. So these angels warred against the fallen angels. There's a third of them, a third of their buddies, a third of their friends. So, um, but just like you and I, they only know what they've experienced. And, and, and in the past, um, things that happened before we were created, we have to be told by our parents or read history books or read articles or be told and know about the, the history of, the, of our civilization before us, Right? My parents talk about my great-grandparents that I never met. And so the angels can only know what happened before they're created if God tells them. And there's some things they don't know, but they're learning. For example, you read in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12, they were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels, listen to this, even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. That means that's the gossip of the angels, right? It's not really gossip for them, but it's like, hey, what's happening next on this whole salvation track, you know, to redeem man again? I mean, they saw, they saw Adam and Eve fall, then they saw the great flood and watched all that play out. I'm sure they were interacting and being... Um, used in, in that, and um, we they just see things over and over, Sodom and Gomorrah and all these attempts to try to bring man in the right relationship with God and extinguish evil. 
So angels are watching salvation of man. And Paul talks in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about places of authority. And then Paul's talking about that the head of man is Christ, or, and Christ is the head of the church also. Um, it talks about man being head over woman, but, but uh, in more of a partner sense. Um, and he talks about that he encourages us to live under authority because of the angels, because the angels are watching. Paul talks about the fact that, um, well, you also find uh, similar again in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9 and 10, where Paul is talking about how God is demonstrating aspects or attributes of who he is and what he's done. And there are some things that the angels are learning just through watching the redemption story unfold and seeing the grace of God at work in our lives. They're learning about God's manifold grace by watching us. You'd think they have first access to God. Why would they need to watch us to learn about God? Again, like I've mentioned before, because God interacts with us different than he does with angels. They don't have the opportunity for redemption. If they turn against God, they fall from heaven and become a demon. So things they didn't know about the about before the creation of the world began um, are things that they don't know. Very, very interesting that they are watching, watching with curiosity. And they're intelligent and wise beings. It's kind of like you have an angelic Mr. Miyagi watching you, coaxing along, wax on, wax off, brother. You know, read on. Don't read that. Watch that. Don't watch that, right? Angels have emotions in Luke chapter 15, verse 10. I think of this every time we give an invitation to accept uh, Christ as our Lord and Savior, like we had a little boy recently who, who came forward and, and wanted to accept Christ as we all watched. And I tell you, there's rejoicing. Um, so in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus is speaking about the angels in the presence of God. It says, in the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels over God, or of God over one sinner who repents over one just one anyone here tonight that would make a decision tonight to follow christ and turn away from sin the angels rejoice they're high-fiving they're chest bumping right they're happy and they're celebrating i don't know i don't know how angels do that you know they probably watch the nfl and was like oh that's a cool way to rejoice maybe we should try that <laughs> let's do the wave oh that's so 80s man you know Angels have a will. I was just thinking they're probably like 80s what? 1980s, 1880s, 1780s what? 80, right? What are you talking about? Coliseum? Are we talking about NFL? What, what are we talking about? I mean, that's kind of funny. You know, they can't just talk sports. I'm going to get a little bit sidetracked here. But I don't even like sports. But, you know, angels can't really talk sports without a lot of explanation, right? Because they've kind of seen it all. It's like, well, at least things are a little more tame now. Nobody's getting their head ripped off by a lion for sport, right? So... Anyway, Luke 15.10, in the same way I tell you there's rejoicing. But um, angels have a will just like Satan rebelled again. And the heavenly host of angels, a third of them fell. So you get a sense of a part of, that there was a war in heaven. It says Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. In Revelations 12.7-9, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. This is better than any comic. I mean, we should bring the kids back in here. And the dragon and his angels fought back. Okay, before we go to verse 8, come on, I, I can't imagine that we can't get a little excited about this. If we can watch some war movie, if we can go watch the X-Men or whatever, to think about the fact that this is angels, these are powerful beings, well, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit, S supernatural, powerful beings, and they're at physical war against each other. Over what? The throne of heaven. The one and only throne. They're fighting over it because Satan thinks he belongs there. Right? And so a third of the angels go against the other two-thirds in a physical all-out war with everything they've got. Everything they've been created to have power to do, they go at it. And I mean, you want to put that in a comic when we talk about... Uh, cherubim and seraphim and you start talking about some that have four faces one's of a man and one's of a, uh, of a lion and an eagle and a, you know you get into that and you're like man this is a crazy stuff going on right verse 8 but he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven the great dragon was hurled down 
the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth and his angels with him. In Jude chapter 1 verse 6 says, And I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness waiting for the great day of judgment. Now this should spell out a little bit more for you about how much God loves you. Because some of you have rebellion in your heart tonight. You might be a believer, but you're rebelling in some way. It might be, it's, a, it's against some kind of authority. It might be the little snide thing you have to say about your boss when you leave work. It might be about someone in church or someone that's over a ministry or some other thing. But whatever you're saying, whatever you're talking about when you leave, when you think it's safe and you're just venting, that's rebellion in your heart. And remember what we talked about rebellion? It's like witchcraft. It's the closest you'll ever be to being like Satan over any other sin is rebellion. If you want to explore the heart of Satan, which I don't think you do, take you down a dark path, but just let go of your rebellion a little bit. Just let your mouth and your mind go when you just have disdain for someone else or brother or sister Christ. Just let it go a little bit and your heart is beginning to come in tune with Satan. And you stay on that path and it pulls you away. The religious leaders in Jesus' time, that's exactly what happened. They couldn't recognize the Son of God when he stood right in front of them in the flesh. Their spirits couldn't connect. Think about a Holy Spirit-led believer right now if Jesus came down in front of them. Don't you think their spirit would ring true that this is the Messiah? they bow to him. Don't you think the shepherds, when they went and they saw the baby Jesus, that, that, that what God was doing in their spirit just drew them to the baby Jesus and that there was no question when they saw him, this is the Messiah? So the religious people of Jesus' times, they were exactly like people in our church today. You know? I don't like the way I don't like the way that person does that. You know, I remember going on street witnessing team uh in in um at CBC and my first year I decided to go and I was scared to death never street witness. And the leader of it, who's a senior and graduating, comes over while I'm kneeling and praying before we go out and says, God just told me, he hadn't met me, God just told me you're supposed to leave this now after I leave school. And I said, You better pray again. I just came to check it out. I'm just here tonight, very first night. He said, I don't know you, but God told me clearly you're the one. Next year, you know, God bless that. We end up spreading out three different teams that went from about 12 to 70 people in a couple years. And, and um, we end up with a little coffee house and free store with clothing. And, and God was doing that. But you know what I found out when you start leading people? Satan starts trying to get people to rebel. He starts putting things in their heart. They, they'll find disdain for you somehow. They'll find dislike for you somehow. But just because God's put you in that place, it's going to happen. It's the same thing Satan was doing. And once God has put someone in authority, doesn't make me like God, doesn't make me always right, doesn't make me a great leader. In fact, I can be a terrible leader. But if God's asked me to do it, and he's trying to work through me, and someone rebels against the position, not the person, then they're acting just like Satan. And their heart is in contempt for God, and they're in a very dangerous spot. So we have to... We have to guard our hearts that the angels fought for the throne of heaven for this very reason. It was over rebellion. So, angels have a will. They're not forced to serve God. Some chose not to, so again, they have wills. They make decisions. They have personalities. All that to say that they're not auto-controlled spirits floating around, that they're persons. They serve God. They choose to. Now, angels are, are persons. Yes, they're spirits, but they are not flesh and blood. Again, they have a heavenly body. And even though they are spirits, they are limited. They can't be everywhere at once. You know, I actually used to think that. That's one of the misconceptions I had about angels when I was a kid. I thought they could just be, you know, all over the place at one time, like God. But they have to travel through space to get to another place. They can't appear as people. Their body is like what Paul is describing when he's talking about our transformation one day, when we're resurrected in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 5, I'm sorry, in verses 40 through 44, it says there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. That's verse 40. Verse 41, the sun has, no, has one kind of glory, while the moon and the stars each have another kind. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. Verse 42, it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground 
when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in, in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are bur- buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. So, so they have a spiritual body different than ours, very different. And since they can appear as humans, uh, what is interesting that whenever you see them in Scripture, they appear as men. I'm not saying they can't appear as women. I'm just saying every time you see them in Scripture, they appear as men. In every case, the masculine pronoun in the original language is used. So you say, what do angels look like? Well, all different kinds of angels, and they can look a variety of ways. The cherubim are the ones with four faces. One is the face of a man. One is a lion, an eagle. They have different faces. Uh, Some have um, three pairs of wings. Um, Isaiah chapter 6 says some have three pairs of wings with two that cover their face, two that cover their feet, with two they fly. So we do know angels have wings. I don't know why they're covering their their face and their their feet other than the glory of God or there's something to do with that. Um, Sometimes they appear as normal people like you see in Genesis 18 and 19. Um, They appear as just regular men. Uh, And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, don't forget to entertain strangers, for in doing so, some of you have entertained angels without knowing it. Now I think about this, I think about this when, um, sometimes I'm out at a restaurant on a Sunday, and I know that 99% of the people in that restaurant are probably, especially at lunchtime, are people out of church. And I see how people respond to waiters and waitresses who say they're believers. And I think, you know, Okay, well, you may go to that place often, and you know that person works all the time, so they're not an angel. But when you travel or when you go and you're rude to someone, in a moment of weakness, the Bible's telling us be careful because sometimes we entertain angels. We don't ever know when they are. We may not know that we have. I, I mentioned on one Wednesday night about the, that we felt like one night we got visited by an angel during Wednesday night service, that, that it wasn't just me, but four other people had the same feeling and was afraid to say anything. But we we're all pretty certain that the man that came in was not human, but was an angel. And it wasn't some great evidence that we had. It just was something in our spirit. Again, I think our spirits ring, ring true. We're in the presence of God or his messengers. So you may, may be nice to someone and they're an angel and it may uh, turn out good to you, for you. Um, sometimes their clothing is bright white as it was at the resurrection of Christ. So, again, they appear in a lot of different forms. Uh, Again, angels are very, very powerful, according to Psalms 8 and verse 5, that we are rated a little lower than angels, yet someday we'll judge them. Sometimes, someday we'll judge the angels and rule over them, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6. So that's interesting to think about those things, that we'll judge the angels, but yet they're more powerful than us. And they can hold back the wind as they do in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 1. In 2 Kings 19, 1, an angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. Very, very powerful beings. So what do angels do? We asked, uh, are they like we see in the Michelangelo? They're laying around on a cloud, you know, with a fig leaf to, to look decent, you know, and they're touching each other's fingers or eating grapes or whatever, you know. They're like the little Charmin babies floating around in the clouds. What... Are they that? Probably not. Uh, first of all, they minister to God. They serve God. They worship Him. All angels praise God. Revelations 5, 11 through 12. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and of the elders. And verse 12 is where it's at. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is a lamb who is slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. They're singing to the Lord. And so um, all of the redeemed are around the throne, and John is seeing them worship God, and some of them play a part specifically to do that. And that wasn't all of them, but a great host of them, a hundred million of them, were doing that. Where were the others? Who knows, right? But there are some things, um, some of them, that this is all they do. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 2 and 3, Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. 
With two wings, they covered their faces. Two, they covered their feet. With two, they flew. Verse three is where it's at. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with glory. So this is the realm that Jesus came from. He went back to his sent to after he came in the human body. And the angels are all around. They're crying back and forth. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're calling this out from, for all eternity, from the time they're created. Some of them, that's all they do. Now, you and I would think, I'd get tired of that, right? Because we have not seen the full glory of God. We have not seen him in that type of, uh, of atmosphere. I have a feeling that they can't help themselves. That if we saw one minute of heaven, that we'd say, I get it. There's no way you can look at him. There's no way you could hear him speak and not cry out, holy, holy, holy. I mean, think about it. When we're in a worship service, you feel the Spirit of God moving on you. The Holy Spirit moves, and you begin to cry, or you begin to speak in a heavenly language, or you begin to raise your hands, and maybe that's not normal for you, or, or you feel like you're going to jump out of your skin. Just think about that. That's here in the natural, in this fallen world, praising God with all the other entrapments and things that tire us and our earthly bodies and all that, but to, to be in the heavenly realms, to see God on his throne, I don't think they can help themselves. They know that he's worthy of that kind of praise. And I believe they can't help themselves. So they serve God and they serve him in a variety of ways. They are God's messengers. I mean, I mean, remember at the birth of Christ, we, we talked about this. When, when our Sundays and Wednesdays started to intersect as we got to the Christmas story, we talked about Zechariah. Angel spoke to Zechariah. Um, also Mary and Joseph uh, appeared to the wise men. It was angels. An example of that, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. I won't read that since we've read that plenty over the, the Sunday messages. But you can see through scriptures, angels also pouring out judgments. This one's a little bit fearful. Revelation 16, verses 1 through 3. Then I heard a mighty voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out on the earth the seven bowls containing God's wrath. So the first angel left the temple and poured out his bowl on the earth and horrible malignant sores broke out on everyone who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became like the blood of a corpse and everything in the sea died. Now, I don't want to discuss the blood of a corpse but I think it's trying to give you this is you know sometimes we're like oh the moon turned to blood and the water turned to blood and Oh, it's a pretty crimson red. Blood of the corpse is a whole different story. We're talking about something very putrid, very very disturbing. And if you remember, we also learned how angels minister to you and I. Because the Bible says they're ministering servants sent to serve those that will inherit salvation. So they serve God, they praise Him, but part of their duties in serving God and praising Him is serving us who He created and loves. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14 but I want, to give you, I want to give you seven ways that are easy to remember how they minister to us to kind of close out this series. But before I do, I just want to remind you because I've learned in the history of New Song, even though we are uh, Assembly God Church in that denomination, because it's not in the name on the sign, we get a, a, an eclectic group of folks from all different backgrounds. And there are some things that we can take for granted that we know and others may not know. But I want to give you some things before we get into that that are very important to know about angels that has to do with your spiritual well-being. I mean, we don't talk to angels. You know, like, I know you're out there. <laughs> I know you're following me. No, I mean, in the real sense, we don't talk to them like we're not going to pray to them. We don't worship them. It's a bad call. You don't pray to them. You can't do anything. that They can't do anything that God doesn't want done. And we're not to pray to angels. We're, we're not to try to communicate with them unless they appear to you. If they appear to you, that's fine, but we're not to worship them or pray to them. Here's a way to know that it's not the right kind of angel. If an angel appears to you and they're okay with you worshiping them, if they're okay with you giving them accolades, if you're okay with them, you bowing down to them, like, yeah, bring it on, then that's the wrong kind of angel. You're in trouble. It's not an angel of the Lord. That's a demonic being they're so brilliant they're so amazing that even john in the book of revelation 
after he sees everything that went down, he's seeing the throne of God, he's seeing all these angels, he's seeing it real time, he's actually there, taken up into the heavenly places. He's not seeing a video of, he's not seeing like this is what it used to be, this is a bunch of um, just visions, he's brought up into the heavenly places, he sees this, a living man, he sees everything, and um, he sees this one really amazing, amazing angel in Revelations 22, 8-9, I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. Now listen, verse 9. But the angel says, but he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book. Worship only God. What an amazing statement from this angel. I'm like you. Stop. He's not. We know. Different body, right? Created different time, different purpose. Doesn't have the chance of redemption, but he's saying in this aspect, don't worship me, you don't. This is John who walked with Jesus. This is John who, who saw the glorified, resurrected Christ. This is John who has seen God do amazing things. And even John was so in awe of the angel, he fell down to worship him. And even the angel says, no, don't worship me. I'm a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets as well as all who obey what's written in this book. If you serve God, if you accept Jesus in your heart and you serve him, then you are like the angels that we all worship God in the same way. Worship only God, he says. So don't be praying to them, don't be worshiping them. And um, again, if one appears to you and is okay with you worshiping them, uh, giving them glory, then you're in trouble. You need to get away. Number one um, the, of the seven things, real quick, and I know it's a little warm in here. Number one the, the, of the seven things I want you to remember, deliver, they deliver messages to us from God. Matthew one twenty, as he considered his angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This is damage control. God reveals his plan to Mary. Joseph freaks out, as most would in his culture, because of the situation. So an angel appears to calm him down and tell him not to be afraid. So I'd suggest to you that, that one of the things angels can do at times is bring you a message. And you may not be aware it was an angel. I mean, if, again, if our eyes were open all around us, we probably are interacting with angels on a daily basis and don't know it. When I was at James River Assembly of God in um, well, it's James River Church now, Jen and I met there. Um, the story Pastor Lindell tells about someone in their church who um, they were um, struggling in life. They had a restaurant in a franchise chain that was was the building that they were renting was in terrible condition. The landlord wouldn't fix it up. Their cars were breaking down. They're trying to raise kids. Their house had problems. Everything around them was crumbling. And they were getting ready to go into winter season, which was tough for their restaurant anyway. And <clears throat> basically, the assessment was they're not going to make it through the winter. The, bill, the business was going to fold. And they were on the top of the list of the audits for the franchise, which is not a good thing. It's basically, you're on the top of the audit. That means you're the first that's going to be closed if things don't turn around. And so they were at church serving. They were just trying to serve. And uh, they were headed towards a door by the pastor's office and there's this man that looked like he's homeless pretty rough sitting on a bench and so they just stopped to ask if they could help him and he began to talk to them and um they said they said something about you know maybe we'll go get a pastor to talk to you and something he said made them begin to tell their story they're not really sure how they got on that but they t told the story and he, he eventually stopped them he said well i've been sent here to tell you that everything's going to be okay and that your business is going to turn around and they said it wasn't just like in making conversation. It was like really believable because like he knew what he was talking about. And so they turned to go find the pastor. When they turned around, he's gone. No explanation for being able to get away that quick. He's gone. A few weeks later, um, there was a terrible ice storm. And power was out all over their town with the exception of their restaurant and the gas station next door. And they had cars and people lined up forever. People didn't have uh, power to cook at home and all that, and so they had this, the, this great you know, time. And so after that, they picked up more business, and they really did 
really good for a while. And then all of a sudden they had a fire and their whole restaurant burned down. But they had insurance and in their policy, the insurance was required to pay them for their time down to like get a new building based on their most recent receipts. <laughs> and it went back just to the beginning of the good spot. So they got paid through that time they got the building. And then three years later, they end up being the top of their franchise out of all of them in the United States. You know, so was that an encounter with an angel? You know, like Pastor Lindell said when he told the story, it lets you figure that out, right? But, but it's an amazing thing. So we have to be careful that when we are interacting with people, keep in mind, and many of us before this series, because before I heard messages on angels, I forgot about them. I'll be honest with you. You read scripture, you see something about angels, you move on to where's the part about Jesus and what I'm supposed to do, right? How do I make this Christian thing work? But angels are a part of that. So um, Hebrews 13.2, I already quoted, but fitting with that story that Pastor Lindell gave, Hebrews 13.2, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some of you have done this and have entertained angels without realizing it. Number two, angels can guide us externally. Not internally, that's the Holy Spirit, but externally. Matthew 2.13 this is the escape to Egypt after the wise men were gone. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Remember, Herod begins to try to kill all the firstborn males, try to take care of it because he hears about the Messiah is born. Acts 8.26, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So this sets up the encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. With the Ethiopian eunuch, he encounters him. And, and uh, so anyway, um, verse 3, Acts 10, 3. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. This is to egg us on that when God speaks to our heart to give to someone. So last, last night we came home, we didn't get home until about 10 o'clock. But it was Lily's birthday on, um, on the 27th on yesterday. So uh, we'd been at Jen's parents and we didn't really get a chance to celebrate so I wanted to stop. We love Cheddar's. So we stopped in Joppa at Cheddar's and told her to get anything she wanted. Normally that girl can eat. What does she order? House side salad with, with ranch dressing. That's what she wanted. And it came with a nice croissant. They tried to be nice. No, it was birthday. And she gave that to her brother. So, I mean, she's eating light. But we had this waiter, and he was just really kind. And be honest with you, I was so tired. We had family visiting before. I was in that normal mode that we get. And I was just kind of... I hate to say it, I, I love the worship my family had. I love the fellowship, but I was kind of peopled out. I mean, can you believe it? Pastor gets peopled out. I was peopled out. I was like, I need a little deserted island to go to for about two days, and I'll be good. Then I'll be all loving and want to be around people, but I needed that space. And so this waiter was really friendly, and he just kept, you know, coming and, and encouraging. Well, at the very end, I'm getting ready to do the tip, and, you know, you look, and they tell you 18%, 20%. 22%, you know, it used to be like 10, 15, whatever. And, and my frugalness is working on me. This guy's been really nice, but I'm like, well, good grief, you know, the, the bill's already this, and we've already spent this on Christmas, and, you know, I'm in struggling. This guy's not asking me to do anything, right? It's just on the bill. So then I just stopped for a minute. I'm like, well, it's Lily's birthday. I'm blessed, and so I decide I'm going to do the top thing. Well, for whatever reason, I decided to, I wrote it down, but I had this other figure in my mind, so I wrote it down for a little less than I had intended. So I got my pocket and got a cash. I had, it was just a dollar off, so I put another dollar there. Well, today I was trying to reconcile everything out from Christmas and everything on our account, and I noticed that the tip didn't get added. I tried to tip him nice, and it didn't get added. But before we left, he starts telling me, telling my boys, Colton pipes up and says, I'm called to be a missionary. As he get ready to take a check, he said, well, actually, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm studying right now. I've got a church. I'm doing an internship here in Joplin. I'm working. So we talked, and so I slid a new song card, and I decided to put the other dollar in and make sure it was a really good tip, you know. 
dollar didn't sound like much, but I was just trying to top it off. Well, somehow I think he must have thought that the dollar was it, and I felt bad because the other tip didn't get added. I look at our account. And so I'm, I don't know what's going on, but something's just stirring in me. I'm like, so I end up calling his boss at Cheddar's, and I said, I need to find out why this didn't happen. He goes, well, we closed off the day. We can't go back and add it. It's his fault. I said, but he was really good. I want to make sure he, he got it, you know. And, and he's like, well, I, I don't know what to tell you. We, he's not working until this weekend. and we can't do it. So I was like, oh, yeah, he told us the church. So I called his pastor. <laughs> so I called his pastor. I said, hey, I know this is really weird. And, you know, it's Wednesday. I don't like getting called when I'm trying to get call, you know, time. I'm just letting you know when Wednesdays come. It's been a week like this. I'm hammering out trying to get ready for Wednesday night. I'm sure this pastor is that mode because I can tell by the voice. We, we can speak the same lingo. So I was trying to keep it brief. I was like, listen, weird story. You got a guy in your church. This is him. He works cheddars. He didn't get his tip. I'm trying to find him. And uh, so he said, send me your, your info and I'll send on. So I haven't heard from him. So I don't know whether the guy was trying to be nice because he knew I was a pastor. But my whole point in telling you this is that internal struggle, where did that come from? Well, what was the motivator today? I was extremely busy today, actually. Dave saw me. Dave saw me when I was like dripping sweat and I was running outside the church. And Dave's like, hi. And I'm like, hey, Dave. And I'm running, you know. And, and it was extremely busy. But what was it that said, hey, no matter what, what's important today is you got to try to get that blessing to that guy because you felt in your spirit you're supposed to, you know. What is that driving thing? And so I don't know. I don't think Nick is probably an angel. But I'm saying in those situations, when we let the Holy Spirit talk to our heart and we let our heart respond, we let our will respond, how awesome is it that sometimes we're entertaining angels? And it's nothing about that person getting whatever we're trying to do for them. It's about what God's trying to do in us. So the next time we get better and better at it. See, that's the thing that I'm finally figuring out. And what I, If I could do anything, as an inadequate, and I'm telling you, this is not me trying to be humble, but as an inadequate pastor, you know, many times, just all the things I can't do right. But if anything I can, I can say at the end of my life, pastoring is, I helped you to learn to be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit and follow it. Because if you follow that, you'll never go wrong. And so angels are messengers. They send us messages from God, only what they're told. They aren't making up their own stuff. When they bring you a message, it's directly from God. Sometimes angels can provide for us. 1 Kings 19, 5-7. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him. I don't like to be touched when I'm sleeping. I just read that and I'm like, good grief, an angel of all things. But um, he touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more. For the journey ahead will be too much for you. And then, um, so that was number three, uh, that they can, uh, sometimes they can provide for us. Number four, angels can protect us. Psalms 91.11, one of my favorites, favorites here is, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Do I have a guardian angel? Number five, Matthew 18.10, beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven there are angels always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Now, what is this saying? This is another favorite. So number four was angels can protect us. Number five is more of a question form. Do I have a guardian angel? What about guardian angels? It says, beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones. Maybe in spirit too. It's talking about guardian angels. Be careful you don't pick on one of God's little ones because their angel just may beat you up. Now, it doesn't say that, but it's indicating there is some type of threat of, of caution. And I say it in that way, a threat of caution. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven there are angels are, are always, their angels are always in the presence of my Heavenly Father. Woe to the one who lays a hand on a child out of hatred. Right? Jesus, um, Jesus is also indicating, you know, don't uh, offend your brother or sister in Christ because angels uh, are watching and they are guarding them. Uh, number six, angels can escort us to heaven in Luke 16, 22. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried. I think that's kind of funny. Finally, finally, the poor man died. 
I don't know if that's what the God's going to say. Finally, finally, all the stuff you did, riding that motorcycle, rappelling, and you know, jumping out of planes, you finally died. You pushed it, and you died. Matthew 24, 31, and he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. And number seven, the last one, angels help us. And that's a generalization, but they do. Hebrews 1, 14, therefore angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. For the believers, the angels are sent. And so, as we go into 2017, what I'm looking forward to Sunday, we have a baby dedication. It's the first Sunday of the year. We've got a building project on the horizon. I'm scared to death about the whole bank thing. Pray for me and the bank thing. <laughs> Pray for me as we go through the bank thing, getting the financing. But, but we've got a lot of great things ahead. I want Sunday, I want you to come with anticipation of celebration. I want you to come with anticipation that God has got something new and great for you in this new year. And think about this. As you step in this new year, we're ending this last Wednesday night for 2016 with the thought that angels are all around us all the time. They're going with you and you're interacting with them and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. You've got all this help put into place by your Heavenly Father who loves you and he just wants you to succeed. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this incredible time, Lord, uh, this series uh, through angels, Lord, I thank you for leading me to it, and I thank you for the ministers of the material that we're able to, to use, Lord, that has done a great job, Lord, in, in placing that together um, for use. And God, I just thank you that most of all that your word does not fall to the ground, but buries in our hearts, and whether it be now or it be later, that we will reconcile in our hearts this truth. So I pray tonight, Lord, let's go ahead and reconcile it now. Lord, for those listening, what I mean by that is that you've heard truth tonight. You've heard a God that exists and lives who's created millions, possibly billions of angelic beings to, to assist you in this journey. Now what are you going to do with it? So with every head bowed and eye closed, I just want to take a moment. If you're here tonight and you say, I've kind of been pushed in a way I didn't expect to be pushed tonight, and I don't think it's a pastor. I think there's something going on in my heart. If you're feeling that, then that's the Holy Spirit trying to get a hold of you and get your attention. And so I just want to take a moment. If you're here tonight and you need to either rededicate your life to the Lord, you've walked with him, but you've just strayed away, or, or you need to accept him into your heart and live for him for the first time, I want you to just raise your hand for a moment so I can know who I'm praying for. All right. Let's just finish this tonight rejoicing that, Lord, we thank you for 2016. Lord, another year that you've brought us through, ready and looking forward to with anticipation what you have for us this next year. For the souls that will be saved, for the baptisms we will get to witness, Lord, for the discipleship we'll be able to complete, for the many blessings, for the things we don't even see many times or know that are going on. Lord, I thank you for the ministry that I get to participate in as a shepherd of this flock, that even our flock doesn't many times know what all goes on in the name of this ministry, in your name, but through this ministry that you've created. I thank you for all of it. As I look back and think about all the wonderful things, all the lives have been changed and blessed through you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'll see you everybody. Um, 11 a.m. on Sunday for a combined service. And 